Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined by Brett Colson. Brett, this is episode number 43, but it could almost be episode number one of the new version of the Lions podcast. We told you guys about this over the lap, over the past few weeks. This will now be more of a consumer-facing podcast here. We certainly are very happy that you have chosen to subscribe and listen to this podcast, so please continue to be a subscriber. We will be launching episode one of the Legal Sports Report podcast, the LSR pod, this week as well. It will be all over Legal Sports Report, and we'll even link to it on the page on the lines as well, so you can find it if you've been looking for it. But that will have the traditional uh, gaming industry uh, legislative news that you come to know and love from this podcast, but uh, needed a whole podcast for that. Everything's just going crazy every single week, and we've been ignoring some of the other stuff that's been going on within the industry, so we certainly want to talk about that on this podcast. Brett, I am very, very excited about this version of the pod. Yeah, man, we're going to talk odds. We're going to talk uh, the futures bets. We're going to talk all, all the, the big bets and and, and uh, the, the betting events that are going on in the industry. Uh, yeah, this is we're taking it in, in a bit of a new direction. I mean, we, we hit on a lot of the same stuff in, in the first version of the Lions podcast, but Focus, focusing more on the consumer side, like you said. Yeah, I mean, listen, a little DFS here and there, maybe a little poker here and there if stuff comes along. Fun, interesting offerings from some of these sports books. Crazy winners, crazy losers, all kinds of that stuff, and you'll get it right here. We'll also have interviews with people within the industry and personalities within the industry, and that's a little tease for something a little later in this one where we will have Brett Ritchie of Blitz Predict on this very podcast. So again, please subscribe, wait, and review. Follow us at the Lines US on the Twitter machine. You can follow me at Matt Brown M2. You can follow at Brett Colson. All right, let's get into it here, Brett. Some quick news blasts that we want to get through. Major League Baseball spent, sent out some memos trying to get people to pull down spring training games off of the betting board. Now, you and I are kind of of the same mindset when it comes to, you know, you and I with the Oscars betting and some of these subjective things. You, We, we can understand why they want to tiptoe into these things and certainly why Nevada has never chosen to even touch any of these things. But MLB preseason, I mean, you know, pre spring training games, at the end of the day, I really don't see a major harm in it. Man, I've gone back and forth on this one. It's not surprising at all, of course, to see some of these books around the country offering spring training markets after Nevada's been doing it for how long has Nevada been doing it? For? It's been it, they've been doing it for a few years now, right? And, and without any issues, right? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: if you are choosing to bet spring training then that's I just look at the onus is on you. I mean, you have to understand what you're getting into. It's kind of like betting preseason NFL. Like you understand that the motivation and the actually just the entire reason for what they are doing is completely different from a regular season game. I mean, in the NFL, you understand you're going to see a bunch of backups. You're going to see a bunch of second street. You're actually going to see a bunch of guys are going to get cut from the team actually playing. And that's the same thing with, with spring training. I mean, there's a lot of young guys that they're just trying to, to get an eye on here. And some pitchers might might only throw an inning or two and some guys might actually throw three or four and you know it's just the the nature of the beast and if you're going to choose to wager on that I kind of feel like then that's just on you the question is does the upside of offering lines on these games even with the small limits outweigh the potential for a game integrity crisis or a problem gambling issue and that that's really my biggest concern with this is are you enabling a dangerous subset of gamblers when you offer odds on exhibition games like this but to counter that problem gam problem gam gamblers are going to find a way to bet anyway it's likely with an unregulated site or a bookie so at least if they are betting in a legal market they're doing it uh, while they're being protected 
it, this is not a perfect science. You can make logical arguments for both sides. I, like you said, I'd rather see these games off the board. But the fact that Nevada has been doing it already, it, it just makes it so much more difficult for these books to, to stand down. The PGA is reversing course, and I use that, yes, pun intended, course, uh, on gaming sponsors. It did come out that they are now going to allow some of these tournaments to go in and take gaming sponsors. And the weird language within the deal, we'll have to reach out to the PGA and see if they can further explain it, that said anyone that sports betting is not their primary focus or their primary business. So... I mean, listen, basically almost everyone that offers sports betting, Brett, could could make the case that sports betting is not their primary business. I guess only like William Hill, I guess, would fall in that category. But I mean, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel could still say that DFS is their primary business. Of course, MGM, Caesars and all the big casino companies could say that, you know, the casino part of everything, which it is, obviously, we know as far as revenue goes, is their major is is their big business. So I don't know. I guess I didn't really get that part of the language in there. But at the very least, it looks like maybe some of these tournaments might be brought to you by, you know, Caesars or MGM or something in the near future. Yeah, that's awesome. I was curious about the the language with the DraftKings and FanDuel because right now you could make the case, of course, that they are DFS companies, but that's going to change pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing that was odd is just that they said that, you know, it loosens things up for the players as well. But, you know, I mean, Ryan Moore, who is a guy that was from, you know, went to UNLV here in Las Vegas, still lives here and plays out at Shadow Creek all the time whenever, you know, in the offseason and things like that. He's been sponsored by MGM, specifically Aria, for years. I mean, he's he has worn Aria shirts and hats and things like that on tour for at least the last three or four years I know of and maybe even longer than that. So, yeah, I don't really even know why they put the language in there about the players because, you know, it's seems like that has not been a problem to this point is more the only guy who's been uh, wearing uh, ga- uh betting you know i feel like i've seen other guys with some casino things here and there but i guess off the top of my head i couldn't tell you who those who those players are but i do feel like i've seen it here and there maybe if it wasn't aria branded it was you know mgm branded or, or, or a caesar's property or something somewhere along the way but regardless whoever's doing it apparently you can do it again you can, you can do it now officially because the pga is saying that they are going to back off of that so it will be interesting to see uh if these casinos do get in on on this and and if DraftKings or FanDuel or any of these other you know other companies that have gotten in as well decide to try and do some sponsorship opportunities because with that weird little language that sports betting can't be your primary focus or your primary business or something uh how they tiptoe those lines now brett you and i are both dfs players you uh play uh, a lot of the different sports you play some of the sports that i don't even play well guess what you are now allowed to play dfs boxing this just came through right before we were going to tape this there's going to be a pick'em style exclusive to showtime sports that debuts on DraftKings with this saturday's showtime championship boxing event march the 2nd additionally the overall 2019 Pick'em winner, Brett, will be awarded a free trip to every 2020 Showtime Championship boxing event. So if you want, if you you could go to every single event if you wanted to, should you be the best at Pick'em with this? Um, look, whatever. I don't, I mean, I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, we've already blurred the line so much as to as to what is DFS and what isn't and all these. I mean, you know, there's there's whole companies that are based around these Pick'em games now. I mean, we used to kind of say this is a, a shady way of getting around the whole sports betting thing. But I mean, at this point, I, I don't I don't care, really. 
So wait, okay. I don't watch boxing. I'll just put <laughs> that out there now. How do you? How does? How is the structure? Like how many? How many matches or bouts are there to pick from in this pickup? Yeah. So I'm. That's going to be the very interesting thing in this is how it's set up. Like, is it over like multiple events? Is it over just one night of boxing? I mean, because the undercard. Uh, you know, the undercard for boxing is so incredibly different than it is like the undercard for a UFC or an MMA match because uh, a uh, UFC or MMA card, because the boxing guys like there's some guys who got there and they literally fight for like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or something because like they're they're just trying to to get some uh, experience and whatnot. So uh, how these how people are going to pick these undercard matches and things like that. I don't know, man. It, it, I think it's more of a marketing ploy here than, than an actual real kind of game variant for DraftKings. It wouldn't surprise me if this is some sort of, you know, cash trade-off thing with, with DraftKings and Showtime. Yeah, that would make sense. That seems to make a little more sense, right? Yes. Yeah, I would go with that. Uh, and if you want to play, if you want to get in on some other betting stuff that seems a little kind of wonky here, you can bet on the NFL Combine. Should you show choose, there is uh, that is all going on. There were bets up, you know, Brett. I think of you know, will will X record be broken, and will this amount of reps be exceeded, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again. Um, I think that's one of those things where you just go in and you just bet the no down the board and, and <laughs> yeah. if, if you can afford to do it, because a record is a record for a reason. Yeah. It, look, it adds a little something to, to watch for, uh, for the, for the combine. Um, I always keep an eye on the, the 40 yard dash, which is super fun. And I, I don't think anybody t- is going to touch John Ross's record this year, but you know, guys like Andy Isabella and, uh, Paris Campbell, they'll take a, they'll get, take a shot at it. I, but yeah, I, I think the, the shark plays that just bet no everywhere. I think the odds right now to break Ross's record is like 12 to five, which seems way too low. Yeah, I mean, just go in. But if you can afford to do it, just bet no down the board. Because, again, a record is a record for a reason. It's because it's very hard to set. So, I mean, a 4-2-2-40 is, I mean, that's flying. I mean, that is that is friggin' flying. A laser 4-2-2-40, I, I mean, I don't know. There will be someone who will come along maybe one day and they will break that. But that is that is a record that I, I would imagine stands for a, a pretty pretty decent amount of time. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think anybody will have a shot at this year. So uh, if you are going to get in on these bets, I think uh, BetStars has them right now. DraftKings got in on it as well. Uh, that That's a good one to, to bet the no. There is also draft odds that are pot- pot- starting to pop up all over. Brett, you and I were kind of talking about this on the Slack machine. We were saying, you know, I wonder how quickly these things are going to pop up and when they start to pop up. And pretty much overnight as we started to take a look into it, then various books across the industry, especially over in New Jersey, started to pop things up. It seems like the most popular odds are all kind of uh, around some sort of something with Kyler Murray, where he's going to end up, what team, yada, 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 over, under on draft position, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and you can kind of use this as a – to kind of see where Kyler Murray might end up right now, the odds, all, all of the books seem to think he's going to end up uh, in Florida, whether it be with the Dolphins or the Jaguars. Those are the two favorites right now. 
You can also bet on where he'll be drafted. I think we saw some discrepancy in the lines early on. I think one book had six and a half, another had eight and a half, and you were talking about hammering the middle if you got the opportunity. But uh, yeah, there there has been some discrepancy in in you know these these books are early uh, in their first shot at these markets, so it's it's been kind of fun to watch uh, what they've been what they've been offering and how the lines have moved. Yeah, I am, you know, look, these are all bets that the, these draft bets are certainly going to get over the next couple of weeks are going to get real hot and heavy. I can understand why we haven't seen the markets really blow up yet as the combine has not happened, happening as we speak, actually. So with the at the at the conclusion of the combine and we get kind of the the measurables and everyone knows the all the fancy things that these for whatever reason that these GMs decide is important to them. Um, I think that's when we're really going to see just a ton of markets open up. It would not surprise me. You know, there was a pretty decent amount of markets open in Vegas last year for the draft. Brett, it would not surprise me if since we've seen how aggressive they've been over in New Jersey to see, you know, the DraftKings and FanDuel's and, and BetStars of the world over there get super, super aggressive with these draft props. I hope so. And I think you're right. I think we will see a lot given how aggressive, especially DraftKings has been with basically everything so far. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. And, and the combine is so much fun. And I'm, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, on where these odds move and what these uh, sites are going to be offering. I think starting of Friday is where uh, we start to get into like the 40 yard dash. And uh, I think the running backs is tomorrow, too. So that'll be fun. More football to bet on if you want to. The Heisman odds are out, and as you would expect, Tua Tagovailoa Tagovailoa, and Trevor Lawrence are both favorites to take down the Heisman Trophy. I imagine this will not sway for the vast majority of the season, barring injury, Brett. I mean, it is just, one, it's become pretty much a quarterback award as it is anyway and then on top of that I mean you just have not only the two best players in the country but you have the two best players in the country playing on the two best teams in the country so again barring injury I can't imagine that one of these two guys one doesn't win it and two that the odds don't just stay stacked in in one of these guys favors yeah eight of the last nine and 16 of the last 18 heisman winners went to quarterbacks so really no shock at all to see tua and trevor lawrence as the clear favorites on the two best teams by a mile but some uh some discrepancy when you look at the books in new jersey and then the westgate in nevada a guy like jake Fromm, he is 14 to 1 at bet stars and 40 to 1 at the Superbook, and then on the same team uh, georgia running back deandre swift 10 to 1 at bet stars 50 to 1 at the Superbook. so maybe uh, if you like georgia this year maybe some value there you can get some action in on not only georgia winning the national championship but uh two of their two of their best players and their most uh most well-known players who would have a shot at the heisman but um yeah uh, a lot of discrepancy early on you might want to take a look and, and find some value yeah i mean that could actually be some uh, a correlated bet like you just mentioned oh, yeah. i mean because at the end of the day it's likely going to be either georgia or alabama who wins the sec and at the end of the day the winner of the sec has typically gone on to uh, play in the national championship game and so with that i mean you could kind of correlate with if Fromm has a, a massive season then they end up beating alabama and then they get to the deal i mean yeah i mean this could be certainly could be one of those situations where you could just kind of parlay three or four different bets on just the getting in on the long shot of the georgia train one number that really stood out to me was nebraska's quarterback adrian martinez he's six to one to win the heisman next season 
Nebraska went four and eight last year. Interesting. Like that dude is not sniffing the award unless they win nine, ten games next year. So that one is pretty fascinating. And he's he's like ten to thirteen to one at the New Jersey books as well. That one was probably the biggest surprise in the entire board. From the John Wall Street newsletter, if you do not subscribe, I highly suggest you doing it. A sports business newsletter that gives you some pretty good nuggets each and every day of the week. Uh, The NBA patch program generated $150 million for teams during the three-year trial period. Brett, as you know, since then, a big thing happened. PASPA was repealed. Uh, The NBA also partnered with MGM and BetStars so far. And again, those, those... Uh, They were very adamant about saying that the deals were not exclusive. So who knows? Other sports books could partner with the NBA. I mean, that could certainly be something that happens here. Nine of the 20 EPL clubs overseas have gaming company sponsors as their primary sponsor. It will be very interesting to see. Could we see gaming patches on NBA jerseys? Every team outside of Oklahoma City Thunder has a sponsor currently, so it is not going anywhere. They made a bunch of money. They made way more money than they thought. Adam Silver was quoted as saying he thought it could generate $100 million for the teams over the trial period. It actually did 150. So I'm very interested to see where they go with this because you have to imagine you know, an MGM, a Bet Stars, or even some of these other companies that maybe didn't don't officially partner with the NBA, but want to partner with a team, uh, if they start showing up on some of these jerseys. Yeah, we we know there are several NBA winners who are already pro betting. Mark Cuban, Ted Leonsis, just two examples. And now is the time to get started on these types of deals as operators are trying to enforce their brand in the race for market share in sports betting. So I would not be surprised at all if we see some of these patches for an MGM uh, or, yeah, like you said, a bet stars on, on a NBA jersey in the near future. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if you're looking, if you're wondering about just kind of like how this all works out, I mean, yeah, it's only a two and a half inch by two and a half inch patch. But, you know, one of the things is, is while the game is actually being played, you don't really see it all that much. But every single time a guy goes to the free throw line, they are zoomed up in on the guy as he gets ready to shoot the free throw. And right there on the chest of his jersey, is these are, are these patches with these logos and whatnot. And I would imagine these companies, especially for the price we saw that some of them are paying, I mean, some of these as low as, you know, just a couple of million dollars for these sponsorships. I would have to imagine most of these companies feel like they're getting a, a really good bargain. Yeah, especially if you have a, a patch on the Rockets when James Harden's at the line <laughs> for half the game. Yeah, I, I wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if like, some of these teams have different deals based on who's playing for them. I'm sure that's, that probably is, is the case. But yeah, it's, I, I, think, I think this is a given. I, I really hope we see it over the next few years. Yeah, I think we will see. I think we'll see maybe these numbers go up pretty significantly as well. I mean, once they do the market research, and like you said, I mean, I, I bet some teams even bring those statistics to the table when they negotiate with a potential sponsor would be like, listen, we go to the line 10% more. Yeah. I mean, we go to the line 10% more than your average team. So uh, yeah, you're going to have to pay 10% more than, than whatever to get that exposure. But yeah, pretty interesting stuff there. And that will do it for our news blast right here. A quick book report. This is something we're going to do each and every week on the podcast as well. Just, any interesting nuggets that we get from the sports book, any interesting promotions, anything going on that you might find of interest out there. Uh, one of the things that came through here at points bet is every NCAA men's basketball game on Fox, CBS, ESPN, or ESPN two on March the 2nd. So this weekend that's 12 games. So any game that you can watch on national television there uh, on March the 2nd, if you place a spread bet, it has to be a minimum bet of $50 you are going to get a $3 bonus bet 
for every three-pointer made in that game. Now, Brett, you and I are all for innovation. We are all for these these wacky promotions and stuff. I want to shake the hand of the person who thought of this one because, I, I mean, even in my wildest dreams, I don't know if I would have thought of this one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, points bet under this phase, what was it, in December? They have been so creative early on. And they're not new to this either. I mean, they, they've been around, so they know they know what they're doing here but yeah between this and then they've got the you know the the what was it, the karma refunds that they've been doing yeah. you know they had one for zion williamson and they had one back in the nfl season too but yeah these these are fun and they keep people engaged the entire game i mean the, the, these are these are great and, and it's stuff that some of these uh, casino sports books don't offer and aren't doing and i think that's a huge mistake yeah, I mean, uh, these, especially here in Nevada, I mean, this is something, probably a, a growing trend that you will see here on this podcast is t- talking about just how these other places that have sports betting, even though they've only had it for a very short amount of time or just so far ahead of Nevada, who's had it forever. And one of the things is just the promotional aspect of everything. I mean, yeah, if you sign up at Stations Casinos, which is a local c- casinos here, in Vegas, they'll give you like a 50,000 point bonus on your players, you know, kind of your players account or something like that. Now, that is just a that's equivalent of $50. And of course, you have to do that over. You basically have to do a rollover with that. You know, like it depends on how much you bet as to how many how often your points are released and, and, and stuff. And then I think William Hill here in town will give you maybe like a $30 bonus or something whenever you sign up. But by and large, the promotions and continuing promotions, because listen, those are all sign up deals. I don't get jack here as far as continuing promotions and things like, I mean, absolutely nothing. Now you go over to New Jersey, download the DraftKings app, download the FanDuel app, download the BetStars app, any of these other apps where you get point uh, push notifications and turn those things on. Brett, how many different promos do you get a day? And now listen, I understand if you're a person that doesn't like the, the push notifications, maybe you might find it a little bit of a, a little bit annoying, but more times than not, I leave them on and I can't even use them. Obviously, I'm here in Nevada, but I leave them on just to see what these books are doing and how often they're doing it. And pretty much on a daily basis, they're giving you some sort of plus EV opportunity. Yeah, they come in all day long. I'm looking at best stars right now. I mean, Russell Westbrook to record a triple double odds boost. Uh, Paul George over twenty nine and a half points odds boost. I mean, they, they're every single day. These sites have something going on where they're keeping people clicking in and seeing what is being offered uh, that is better than the competition. So, yeah, it's it's great. And, of course, you can head to thelines.com and you can get all of the promo material and all the stuff that's going on with all of these books on the pages over there. So be sure and take a look at that. We have the very best sign-up offers in all of the business. So you want to take advantage of those at DraftKings, especially uh, where you get free money just for signing up and what do we say about free money, Brett? Free money is good, right? Yeah, we like free money. Yeah, free money is absolutely good. Uh, heading into some of the main stories here before we get to Brett Ritchie of Blitz Predict. Um, MGM named the title sponsor of the 2019 MLB opening series in Tokyo. Now, Brett, this is one of those things where we've heard a lot of these gaming companies wanting. They understand there's going to be limited licenses over there in Japan. They are really, really salivating to get in. And MGM was, looks like they're being super aggressive as far as kind of getting their brand out there over there in Japan. Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Players Association and MGM Resorts announced that MGM will be the title sponsor of the 2019 MGM MLB opening series in Tokyo, Japan between the Oakland Athletics and Seattle Mariners. As a new league partner, the 2019 MGM MLB opening series 
will be their first marketing activation around an MLB event. MGM plans to activate at fan-facing events outside the ballpark while also having its logo on a jersey patch on the Athletics' right sleeve during the opening series. We were just talking about yeah. we were just talking about this with the NBA and here we see it right here with Major League Baseball. Now MGM of course was very aggressive with their partnerships here. And, I mean, this is them putting this money that they're spending with these partnerships to what I consider probably good use. Yeah, I 100% agree. They have been the most aggressive with these partnerships. And where they are lacking maybe with the product, uh, they are certainly picking up the slack in other areas. So different strategies, and uh, we'll see if it works. I I like this this one a lot. Yeah, I mean, listen, these games are going to be televised. Of course, there's, uh, I think each team plays one of the uh, Japan League teams over there, and then also, of course, we'll kick off the season against each other over there as well. But, man, this is... um, this is some interesting stuff for sports betting in general. Just the MGM look. I mean, we go from not having it at all, Brett, uh, you know, a year ago today to MGM on the sleeve of a team that is going to be opening up the entire season. I mean, uh, we, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of times people say, what a difference a year makes. Really and truly, what a difference a year makes. Yeah, absolutely. And you're exposing, you're exposing sports betting to the casual fan and just the baseball fan in general who doesn't bet on sports, they're going to see this MGM logo. They're going to see sports betting and then they're going to, it's going to pick their interest. It's, a, it's an exciting time right now. We're just getting into this as it expands across the country. All right, guys, we're going to get to Brett Ritchie of Blitz Predict. If you are not aware of what Blitz Predict is, then that is the perfect reason to stick around and listen to the interview right quick. Brett Ritchie. Joining us on the pod now, Brett Ritchie of Blitz Predict. Brett, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you guys very much for having me on. Now, for people who are listening and don't follow the industry for the first, you know, maybe don't follow the industry closely as we do, or just hearing a Blitz Predict for the very first time, can you give everyone just an overall view of what y'all have going over at Blitz Predict? Yes, we are building a decentralized betting exchange on top of Augur and Zero X, which are two protocols on the Ethereum blockchain. So essentially looking at sports, esports, and politics, markets, peer-to-peer betting, very similar to what Betfair is doing, except it is done on the blockchain and self-custodied solutions. So we never actually touch the customer's funds. They take their own ether or other currency and you turn that into liquid shares tradable tokenized shares of outcomes of events so you can trade them before the game during the game and then redeem if you win after the game so how far along are you with the project and when can people look to kind of get involved with everything you have going so you can check us out right now at blitzpredict.io we have a sportsbook aggregator just traditional sportsbooks essentially streamline it, show you the best odds um, in one view. We are the first site that's recording predictions to the Ethereum blockchain. So the tout industry is obviously rife with frauds. And you could come to our platform and prove that you're actually winning. There's no way to alter your record or delete losers from your database. But the real exciting thing that we've been focused on is this exchange. And we're going to be launching the testnet version in March, which is essentially play money and then mainnet or real money over the summer in preparation for the football and soccer seasons. I remember Blitz Predict entering the DFS space years ago when that industry was exploding. Was this peer to peer betting exchange something you've 
had in mind for the products all along, or did it kind of uh, you kind of change direction after Paspa was reversed last year? So that's a great question. Uh, good memory. That that was actually called Blitz Pick. And Blitz Pick. So that's right. Early 2015, I saw the excitement on the DFS space and was pretty sure, given the money that was coming in, that the 2015 season was going to be a big season. So actually, 2014. I used to be a professional poker player. I was living in New York City, kind of disillusioned with the lifestyle once online went down. So I went to interview at FanDuel and DraftKings in the fall of 2014. Just was like, let's get a real job. I think this industry looks cool. It'd be nice to see how this stuff works. And then during that process, I realized that for Daily Fantasy, all of the tools were basically web-based for the serious user. And if it was going to take off, the mobile customer was going to be a big part of that. So... I moved from New York to Vegas to build a mobile app for DFS users. And part of that was I thought sports betting was inevitable to be legalized. And so it was going to be DFS to sports betting was the original path. And similar to poker, the government came in later in 2015. I initially outsourced development to a dev shop, which didn't really work. We didn't get a workable product. And then in 2016, we were fortunate enough to be able to build our own team. So we, we built the app from scratch, launched it for the 2016 football season, and we did okay. There were some positive metrics there, but the ceiling was kind of taken out of the daily fantasy industry. And then what killed us even more than that, I would say, is initially FanDuel and DraftKings were going to open up their mobile APIs. We had a lineup optimizer do 150 lineups on your phone and and sort of we wanted to really be able to interact deeply with those mobile apps. And I think partially because of the government coming in, they didn't want to get kicked out of Google play and Apple stores. They never opened the mobile APIs up. And so it really just like took the wind out of our sails. There was nothing. It's just not a great experience if you build it on your phone and then you have to email it to yourself and go to a computer to enter your lineups. We're not really solving a problem there. And so that sort of opened our eyes to, you're always kind of beholden when you build on these centralized services. You can even look at Facebook's newsfeed if they change the algorithm. That has millions of dollars of impact on businesses that were built on the Facebook news algorithm. That sort of was like planted the seed of, hey, this decentralized world could be cool because we're not as beholden to the whims of some other company. And I don't blame them at all by any means. It was a smart move for their business. It just really killed what we were doing. And so the start of 2017 – it was like, do we still want to struggle this out in DFS with no ceiling, hoping sports betting gets legalized soon, or just head into this much more exciting area, take that original vision, which was a sportsbook aggregator, kind of like a kayak for sports betting, apply blockchain technology to that, see how we can make sports betting a better experience. And so that's what we ended up doing. So obviously very heavily regulated industry here in the United States and can be quite expensive as well as we've seen with some of the states that have come in with licensing fees and whatnot. Um, I imagine, is this going to preclude you from actually operating in the United States? How will people be able to play on BlitzPredict? So first off, yeah, the test net is going to be open for everybody. As I said, it is play money. When we do turn mainnet on, the real money component, we are not going to be operational in the U.S. at first. As you pointed out, the licensing fees are really uh, – a state like Pennsylvania, 
a startup really can't compete there. It's only going to be the major incumbents that can pay $10 million to just to get a sports betting license in Pennsylvania. And I think that a lot of it is like, I think people are rushing into like the opportunity is going to be great in the U S but we're just taking a more patient approach. I don't think it's going to have, you know, everyone's trying to get their hand in the jar right now and take as much as they can. And for us, we're happy to just sort of step back from that. And another area that hurts us because we are this peer to peer exchange, liquidity is really important to us. We want to tie these pockets of liquidity together into one order book. And the wire act also is a challenge in the US. Fortunately, the New Hampshire lottery, once they kind of spread it past sports betting, I think it's positive because you now have other industries like the Powerball and poker even that are saying we don't want to be under the wire act. And so there's going to be more people fighting to either modify it to let good actors be able to transact across state lines or even maybe just get rid of it. But we do have a feature for the Americans, which is going to be our tournaments feature, where you can take our token. We did an ICO, a token sale. You just have to escrow a certain amount of this token for a certain period of time, maybe 10,000 of the tokens, which is not a lot of money for a month, a month. And then you gain entry into this tournament. So something like March Madness, you can join a bracket contest and earn prizes that way. So there's going to be plenty of things for people in the U.S. to do. But actual betting on the exchange is not going to be operational in the U.S. for the foreseeable future. Taking a look at just the U.S. market in general here, obviously you created this product because you think you are serving a, uh, you know, fixing a problem that we have right here. What do you think that the biggest problem with the sports betting industry is currently right now in the U.S.? In the U.S. right now, I think, I mean, that's a good question because you have the offshore market, you have the bookie market, and you have now this this regulated market. And the approach that they're taking in the regulated market is not really solving the problem that they think they're facing from overseas. If you have these really high tax levels and really onerous entry fees, it's really hard for these operators to make that money back at minus 110 odds. And so the offshores will have an advantage on price. So I think that there's, I mean, there's several issues just for the regular guy, right? If you're a winner, the the top guys I know, a lot of their pain points are getting enough money down and then getting paid. There's a lot of counterparty risk out there which is one thing blockchain technology helps solve. And and for the more casual guy, one of their pain points that they may not even know about is the price. I mean, they might be paying minus 130 lines or something because the sites are trying to make their $10 million back. And again, I think that that's something that's going to come down over time. And trying to just gouge the average guy, I don't think is going to be a sustainable business model. Offshores are obviously a problem that we've discussed many times on this show. Do you think it will take a federal effort to wipe most of these out so that we have more of a regulated uh, system in the U.S. here? I wouldn't be surprised to see a, sort of a full tilt poker stars. I'm honestly I'm surprised it didn't happen to Bovada. And they've been doing it for, what, 20, 25 years? I know that, I mean, some of the... The the thing about the offshores, it's almost kind of like a whack-a-mole game, too. I mean, they're in Costa Rica, they're in wherever, and it's it's not that easy to go and get them and punish them. And obviously, the U.S., they tend to go after the payment processors is like a sort of an attack they'll use. But with cryptocurrency, with Western Union, 
that's not always that effective. I mean, the best way to combat the offshores is to provide a similar experience that you can just use your credit card in in the U.S. that's regulated. And you're not going to get that experience if you're charging $10 million per state and a 34% tax. It's just too much. And then the NBA or whoever, they want a fee also. And so it's like if everyone wants a cut, the offshores don't have to do any of that. They don't have to pay $10 million to operate in Pennsylvania. So they have an advantage there. And I think that if you really want to take down the offshores, you need to allow operators in the U.S. to offer a competitive product without this huge burden of hundreds of millions of dollars just to enter. Now, Brett, you've you've uh, been a part of the poker industry, like you mentioned. You've been a part of the DFS industry, like you mentioned. We, we talk about both on this podcast as well. Um, just curious your thoughts. I mean, obviously, we've seen some states here in the United States try and get, get poker going. And then, of course, with... Uh, DFS companies, FanDuel and DraftKings, tend to, looks like they're pretty much shifting a lot of their focus over to the sports betting industry. Do you think that is there upside left for poker and DFS, or do you th- do you think obviously we're never going to see anything like the boom of poker in the old days or anything? But it, do you believe there's any upside left in the poker and DFS industries, or do you think we've kind of seen it? I think there's I think there's upside there. I think for poker, one area where there'd be upside is again it comes down to liquidity. When you had just Nevada and then just Delaware and just New Jersey, it wasn't as great an experience as now you have all three states. And if you add in, like if you had a U.S. wide poker site, it would do really well. There would be a million dollar tournament every Sunday. There would be cash games going around the clock. And it just comes down to liquidity. And I don't know how many states are going to legalize poker. And again, with the Wire Act and things like that, it's not an easy solution but to me that's the number one problem that faces poker is the issue of liquidity within the u.s within a regulated environment if you can solve that and allow all these different states to opt in and share liquidity it it's better for everybody and dfs is a little different because i think dfs kind of took off mainly because sports betting was illegal in the u.s i don't think you would have seen that same boom in a legal environment but i do think one thing dfs has proven is that there is still this demand for it. I think it will always be second to sports betting. But I was actually corrected by one of the guys at DraftKings because I wrote something on Twitter the other month and I was like, DFS has basically plateaued. And he's like, actually, it's still growing even with sports betting. And so I think you'll see maybe it's going to go away from that sort of mass multi-entry, high vig contest where the pros have just gotten so good, maybe more in that peer-to-peer sort of fun gambling world but or sorry it's not gambling in quotes uh (laughs) yeah uh, whatever but yeah yeah, i think dfs there's always a place for it now i think it's got an it's a it's got a solid enough user base i definitely don't think you'll see any sort of explosive growth there again but there's room for creativity in dfs back to blitz predict and i want to you know, there's probably people listening to this right now who are not familiar with cryptocurrency, are certainly maybe even frightened by it. I want to give you a platform here to basically, one, help people understand just a little bit of what what the basis essentially of Blitz Predict is, and then also why they can feel comfortable in all this. Because there's, you know, I can understand if you haven't taken the time to really dig into things where you try to explain to someone, well, well, it's no, it's this form of currency, but no, you actually can't hold it. And it's where, so I can understand where people could be, you know, minimally scared by something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And what we saw in 2017 really was this huge 
bull run like uh, i would say from poker a lot of us knew about bitcoin and in in general people had heard of it but 2017 really put i would say the public spotlight on cryptocurrency and all these projects are promising to solve these really important issues and then what happened is the hype got way ahead of the train and it crashed in spectacular fashion in 2018 but the sort of for the core promises of cryptocurrency which is Cutting out the middleman is a great use case. Like the bank fees, even if you want to go deposit on a sports book, that sports book is paying several percent just to take your deposit. And there's really all these negative things. Look at um, the power of something like Facebook or even look at Uber is a good example. You have all these people, the initial drivers that contributed to that network's success. Uber would have never made it to be this multi-billion dollar company without those initial drivers that have essentially seen zero upside in being early adopters to this really important network. And so I think there's a lot of areas where cryptocurrency can be used. The hype got way ahead of the train. And so our focus now is on real world use cases and actually letting people bet and use this currency. And in terms of the regular guy, you know, 2019 is it's going to be a challenge for him to join our platform. We're focused more on the already crypto savvy person, and then like an algorithmic trader, market makers in sports betting, where they are much more willing to jump through some friction of these hoops. But one of the best things about this decentralized world is working with projects like Augur and Zero X, and even something like MetaMask, which is a Chrome extension that lets you interact with these sites using your own crypto wallet it's kind of like standing on the shoulders of giants you have all these different projects tackling different areas and so our role is really just connecting the wires and then delivering this user-friendly experience like we're not trying to do everything ourselves we're not building our own blockchain we're not doing all of these really complex tasks we're trying to take some of these important protocols deliver them in a user-friendly scenario experience to the user. And then our real focus is low fee, high transparency markets that eliminate counterparty risk. We really appreciate you joining us here. We will link to your medium post in the description for this podcast. But if they want to follow you, if they want to follow Blitz Predict and keep up with everything that's going on, where can they do that? Twitter is a great place for that at Blitz Predict or I'm at Brett Ritchie, B-R-E-T-T-R-I-C-H-E-Y. And yeah, blitzpredict.io. And yeah, feel free to reach out to anyone that has any questions and likes what we're doing. Thanks so much for the time, Brett. And we will be following and wishing you luck with this project. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, man. Cheers. All right, Brett, from one Brett to another Brett, that was a very interesting uh, interview there with Brett Ritchie. I mean, listen, I didn't understand half of what he was talking about. I tried to wrap my brain around the crypto world, um, and I'm glad that he said that, you know, at least for the time being, that this is focused on the the, the savvy crypto trader and or someone <laughs> who is looking to kind of like really take advantage of a peer-to-peer market or something, because I don't think that your typical 55-year-old man maybe is going to be able to. Uh, sign up for an account and bet uh, over at Blitz Predict, but that's not his target customer right now. And at least right, he knows yeah. that, right? Yeah, he does. He, he definitely recognizes that. And it, look, betting, betting exchanges and trading is, is mostly foreign to like the entire industry in the U.S. right now. I really don't understand how it works either. So, I mean, the, you know, as, as we get exposed to, to more of these companies like Blitz Predict, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll learn more. And this, this was a great start for me. And again, we will have the link to 
the post that they have on Medium kind of explaining everything in the description as well as the Twitter handles that he mentioned on there as well, so you can take a look there. All right, Brett, close things out here with a couple of quick topics here. Oscars betting, and we had tons of Oscars coverage on all of our myriad of sites. We had a podcast, we had videos, we had several articles written, all of those things. And then... As we head into Oscars betting, which you and I are not, you know, incredibly a fan of anyway, one of the things that we thought could possibly happen was that, that, that the market could be manipulated and it would, could be manipulated because it's not like a sports game. Like you, I could tell you that I know how a football game is going to end up and you would laugh at me and say, ha ha, yeah, right, you, you're a dumbass. But, you know, if someone were to say, hey, I know who's going to win Best Director because person at PricewaterhouseCoopers told me this off the record or something. Now, I don't I believe that they have an incredibly high level of security on these things. However, it is not beyond the realm of comprehension for something like that to happen. So a rumor happened leading into the Oscars and then basically the odds went crazy, right? Yeah, the the price on Yorgos Lanthimos, who directed The Favorite, moved from, I think it opened around like 50 to 1. And then on Sunday, it moved, I think, as low as 3 to 1 at some books, both offshore and in New Jersey. And then, you know, the books in New Jersey pulled it completely. But obviously, crazy, crazy movement for a long shot like that. And really, with nothing to support it other than a leak or a market manipulation. And like you said, given the security of the Oscars ballots, it's very difficult to imagine that there was a leak, especially from a rumored family member of Lanthimos who would never have that kind of access to the ballots to begin with. So we don't really know what happened. I think we can assume that someone or a group was manipulating the uh, the market with a false rumor or narrative. Uh, we know the line movement came as a huge shock to our own Oscars expert, Jess Wellman, who essentially said that Lanthimos had zero shot at winning. So anyone who was able to hop on Alfonso Coron at a discounted number late in the day on Oscar Sunday got some nice value on a guy who was seemingly the lock to win all along. But that was that was pretty wild to see uh, a long shot like that climb into. I think he was the favorite at one point uh, at some books. Yeah, man, it was pretty it was pretty nuts. I mean, there were all kinds of theories going on on Twitter that an offshore book was trying to balance out action because they were just getting buried on right. the, the the that category and where they were trying to draw money in. And, you know, there were all kinds of theories that were going on out there. But it's crazy to see whenever you do start offering these kind of wacky markets like this, what can actually happen? Because, again, you, I could tell you, oh, I know who's going to win that baseball game. You're going to be like, man, get out of town. Like, yeah, like, nobody actually knows because the game still has to be played out as to where the the ballots, you know, are filed and the tallies are made. And there are there is someone somewhere who knows who, who knows? won. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. there is someone somewhere who knows. And so it's not like beyond the realm of possibility for us to get to a point where we think that maybe something did get compromised or something like that. And again, this is just stuff that we are going to have to deal with if these markets are going to get offered. I mean, we've seen the, you know, forever the Olympics weren't allowed in Nevada, then they did allow the Olympics and then they, but they still don't allow some of the categories because, you know, uh, anything that where there is judging, judging involved yeah. that, you know, I mean, there is at least the slightest chance for some sort of shenanigans going on there. So be, be very interesting to see how these, you know, markets continue to evolve over the course. Do, of do you this. think we'll have Oscars betting next year? Because this was apparently a trial run for New Jersey. Do you think we'll have it next year? 
I think maybe New Jersey, definitely not Nevada, especially after the shenanigans we saw like leading into this. I just don't think it's worth I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze for them. You know, yeah. like it's just, you know, they they get, they draw so much money from everything else. And this would just be like less than a drop in the bucket, you know, when it comes down to things. And so I think it's more of a headache than anything else. I mean, there was a quote in one of the papers here locally that said actually the option for them to apply to. Uh, to to actually put up the odds has existed for the last couple of years, but nobody's even bothered to do it. So yeah. I think it's just one of those things where it's, just, you know, they understand they're not going to win any money on it probably. And so it's just not really worth the headache. If you listen to our other podcasts, we mentioned that Caesars and uh, Turner Sports, which is, you know, the parent company of Bleacher Report, Came through with a deal. They're going to be building a studio over at Caesars Palace. Well, Brett, they came through with a press release to us, and they you know, basically mentioned they are definitely moving forward with the studio and the programming, which we couldn't imagine that they weren't going to. But they also sent across some interesting t- t- statistics here in that the sports betting, talking about you know the Gen Z and the millennials, which is what everybody's going after. They did a survey into the behaviors and tendencies of sports fans 21 to 34 years of age, and... Two in three sports fans aged 21 to 34 find it socially acceptable for sports betting. That does not surprise me in the least bit. If anything, I might have shaded it a little bit more than two in three, to be perfectly honest, because I think that a lot of the people of that age just kind of understand that it's an it's an inevitability anyway. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's this this entire uh, study is pretty fascinating to see where uh, the millennials kind of sit in terms of you know finding sports betting acceptable especially it, it what, becoming mainstream it, it's it's you know, a lot of this uh, data is, is pretty pretty cool to look at yeah i mean they said that they are two times more likely than people 35 or older to bet than they were a year ago because again it was illegal and now it's legal in certain places and they're going to be able to do different things. They said younger betters are, are more savvy with social mobile and which would lead them to bet in real time, which you and I could have probably drawn that conclusion anyway, right. because they grew up with cell phones in hand since they've been, you know, seven years old, as opposed to people later in life who, you know, still probably some are rejecting smartphones and still use flip phones and things out there like that. Uh, some of the other stuff we knew anyway, that betters pay more attention. 63% of the people said that it, they would pay more attention to a game if they had money on it. Of course that they would. We, we knew that anyway. That seems low. It does, doesn't it? I would think it'd be closer to like 75%, but yeah, maybe and they're just not really understanding how... Uh, having money on a game really impacts how right on it. right yeah. and and then basically just went on with some uh, some statistics from just their br uh, bleacher report stream app just saying that you know the people of this age and the people of uh, sports fans specifically of this age are just highly more engaged and highly more uh, in tune with things that are going on and i and i believe that as well right i mean somebody who is smartphone savvy and who is app savvy is probably more likely to follow along with a game on an app or follow along a box score or whatever it might be than you know than the average than the other average person and i i i think the numbers pretty much kind of play out in this survey but very interesting that they took the time to do it and you know that it basically drives home what you and i had had assumed here for the last couple of years anyway yeah and uh the the BR live app, I'm sure, is a, a lot of the reason they are digging so far into this because it will allow fans to engage with the game on their mobile phone while odds are popping up. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just a greater sports experience if you are into sports betting. 
I'll have to get over to Caesars and see where they're building the uh, building this studio. Apparently, it is under construction already, so wow. I certainly will uh, go over there and take a look and report back to let people know if they want to swing by and take a look as well if they make it out to Vegas. And finally, your beloved, and this happened literally <laughs> right before we get to taping this podcast, Brett, your beloved Philadelphia Phillies, despite the rumors that it was not going to be the case, have landed one Bryce Harper. Yeah, I've got mixed feelings about this. I was I was more on the Machado train. Machado was the guy I was hoping we were going to get. And then when that fell through, Harper's like, eh, do we want this guy who really struggled last year? Uh, I think I don't, I don't even think he's in the top 50 in war last year. And we're going to sign mean, him two to of a, the last three years. He's hit under 250 and is has been one of the worst defensive outfielders in the league. Yeah. Look, obviously, this puts them in, in a position to win now and they had the money to spend. But. Uh, yeah, he wasn't good last year. He's a huge defensive liability. This is a contract I hope they won't be regretting in a few years, and it could potentially handcuff them in another bidding war down the road. And Mike Trout is a guy that they were eyeing uh, in a couple of years. He's going to be probably going to be available. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm happy they are willing to go for it, and it certainly polarizes this season for me. Either they're going to be uh, a huge disappointment or a massive success. I don't think there's any in between now that we've got Bryce Harper in the lineup with already some improvements like McCutcheon uh, and uh, a pitching staff that is starting to come together. So uh, we saw the lines move after this Harper announcement. I think at Fandle, I was looking at it. They opened it or they were at 18 to one before the signing today, and they were down to 13 to one as of uh, the start of this show. So we'll see how that moves over the next few days. Yeah, lines went pretty crazy out there really instantly uh, for the Phillies to win the National League. Went from 7-1 to 6-1. to Their total season win total went up by three whole games. Yeah, yeah. which is season, crazy. Yeah, season win total went up by three whole games for them to win the NL East. Fell from 275 to 225. So uh, people went in, rushed to, 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 to make some bets. And, of course, we talked about this. It, this. A lot of this could do with the fact when we talk about regional bias because where is sports betting legal? It is legal in Pennsylvania. Of course, you have to go to a physical sports book to do it, but legal in Pennsylvania and also legal in New Jersey where there are a lot of Phillies fans as well, of course, just right across the uh, the water right there. So, I mean, this um, this news here, 13 years, 330, and certainly affected the sports betting markets as we record this, and we will have an update for you next week if the lines were to move even more. Brett, I thought this was a fun first episode, even though it was episode 43. I thought this was a fun first episode of the revamp of the Lions podcast here. Of course, we want you to subscribe, rate, and review. You want We want you to follow on Twitter, at the Lions US, at MattBrownM2, at Brett Colson. Um, I think this is good. We'll have some more interviews. We'll have some more takes, and we'll have some more just interesting news that are coming out of what is really a very, very exciting time right now in this industry. Yeah, and look, if, you, if there's anything you want us to talk about, if there's anybody you want us to talk to, we will do everything in our power to make that happen every single week. We've got a little more time to focus on some of the stuff we've hit on today, uh, like the, the actual sports betting odds, lines, news from that side, and then DFS as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, come, come right back at you next week. For Brett, I am Matt. We'll see you guys next week.